Welcome to the Sabbath School podcast of the North New South Wales Seventh-day Adventist Church. I am super happy to be sharing with you this morning. My name is Lawson Walters. I am a Bible worker and a radio host here in the North New South Wales Conference. And uh, it has been uh, given me the, the task to open up our new quarter in the Sabbath School. We are going to be discussing and studying through the book of Genesis. Now, it's it's interesting because in I think in a majority of our Sabbath schools, if you guys Sabbath school veterans or, or teachers or whatever it may be, you'll notice that we often end up in the book of Genesis specifically covering creation. I, I can think the last time we did it was probably the when we did the book of Deuteronomy, we were like hanging out in the book of Genesis initially because there's always that context is needed, especially the idea of where did we come from and, and the sin problem. I feel like whenever we discuss or, or cover Sabbath school topics, Topics, there needs there, there's usually that week dedicated to oh how did this person end up in this is in this position well, it was actually because of sin and where did that come from oh it came from the book of Genesis the beginning the fall of man but now we are covering the book of Genesis in its entirety I believe it's definitely needed so again we're we're heading back to the book of Genesis and specifically today we're heading back to the story of creation now, next week Sabbath school is going to be on the fall of man uh, but, today, but today we are getting into creation. And this is a topic is amazing that I love sharing about. And I think that we should get excited about. And that is the initial thought that the Sabbath school actually shares. If we have a look at the first verse that's here, Psalm 100 verse one to three, the, the Bible says this, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord He is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So it clearly lays out here, be joyous. Why? Because we're created by God. What more could we be? How could we be more happy to be created by God? And I love talking about this idea of why it is that God created us and how it's actually such a good and fantastic thing. And I think the best place to reflect on that isn't actually in the book of Genesis. It's if we go back, we'll go up, sorry, further to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation contains a lot of incredible things, but it also contains one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, specifically uh, Revelation chapter four and verse 11. Where the Bible says this, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I love this verse. I love it. It is a short verse, but it is very theologically dense. It's something that we can really break down and and start to to understand. And I always love going back to it when we talk about this idea of creation, because the big question that comes to me in creation is why would God create? What compels God to create? We see here from Psalm 100 verse 1 to 3 that obviously the creation, and, and as humans, as we reflect on creation, we say, yes, this is amazing because God is so good and loving and awesome. But why is it that God creates? And I believe Revelation 4.11 answers that question pretty succinctly. It starts off with this. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things by your will. They exist and we created. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. I remember the uh, scripture song that goes along with this. Thou art worthy, thou art worthy. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Those three things there, glory, honor, and power, 
can be simply summarized into the word worship. Giving God glory and honor and power is ultimately what we aim to do in our lives. It's what we aim to do in our churches. It's what we, who we aim to be it's as worshipful people. We give God glory and honor and power. And this is giving reason as to why he deserves it. Why does God deserve glory and honor and power? It says, for you created all things. Now, this is important, and this really distinguishes God as uh, the only one that we should worship, because why is it that we worship God? Because he created all things. It's not even that he just created some things, uh, he created all things. No one, no other being in the created universe, in the known universe, no matter how powerful, no matter how amazing, other than God actually has the ability to create. Yes, we have autonomy as human beings to be able to create things and to be creative, but our create, if anything, is more in the style of procreation. Now, procreation is, refers very directly to people having children, that two people come together and they create a child from that. But also like when we look at the created things that we see all around us, things that we create, so like buildings or like paintings or like music, whatever it may be, we didn't manifest into existence those instruments that we use to make music. Yes, we built them, but did we manifest into existence the wood, the steel, the copper, all the different materials? No. Yes, we procreated with the materials that God had to make something new, but we didn't bring it into existence. We didn't speak it into existence like God did. So therefore, as God being the sole creator of the universe in the ultimate sense, like everything that exists comes from him. He is worthy of worship. God is worthy of worship because he is the only one that cre can create in this way. He is distinctly unique, which speaks to why is idol worship bad? Why is it bad to worship fish or rocks or the sun or even Satan? Why is it, why is it wrong? And it's because ultimately those things don't have the ability to create. They are created. They are not worthy of worship, but God is worthy of worship because he created. But further on, it says, this is where what I find really interesting. It says, and by your will, they exist and were created. And by your will, if you read this in the, in the King James, I'm reading the New King James. If you read this in the King James, it says, and for your pleasure, uh, they exist and were created. It's essentially sharing the idea that God created simply because he wanted to. Now, a lot of the things that we create uh, we create them out of need. Now you could look, you could look at music or art. It's like, oh, what, what need is there? I'd say maybe that is for a social need. When we talk about, we build a building. We build a building because it's shelter. Or when we make food, we make that food because we're hungry. We often create out of necessity and need. You could even put art in that category as well. We we have a need for expressionism and to consume. I guess all different kinds of things, media ideas, whatever it may be, and to explore and expound on, on what we know. But ultimately, God created simply because he wanted to. God wasn't forced to create. God didn't have to create. He created because he wanted to. And guys, this is fantastic. This is amazing. Like this is literally like the best possible situation that we could be in because we understand that God's character is perfect. God has a, a perfect, loving, incredibly amazing character. And that perfectly loving, incredibly amazing character caused him. It led him to create. There was no necessity there. He didn't have to do it. But because he is loving, because he is perfect, because he is amazing, he creates. And so therefore, we can assume that his creation, the things that he made, 
are, are in the same way. They're, they're perfect. And we see that ex- uh, specifically in, in a few different ways. So if I'm just flicking through my Bible now, all the way back to, to Genesis chapter one, where, you know, God, he's creating, he, we go through each day where he, he begins by dividing. And this is an interesting observation of creation as well. There's a bunch of division that takes place. We essentially see uh, a bunch of, in, in the hovering over the face of the deep, the earth being void and, and uh, without form. We see, I wouldn't say chaos, but just it's not organized. But God does this work of, of dividing, of organizing. He divides light from darkness. He divides the land from the sky, the land from the sea, the the sun from the moon, the earth and the stars. He divides. He does all this dividing work to basically organize the earth into a functioning system. And then we see that he creates animals and he divides them into land animals and sea animals and, and animals of the air and all these things. And this is something we know quite well as biblical students, as people who have read this um, chapter or this passage before. I'm sure you've heard people talk about this, that every time he concludes a day of creation, he ultimately says, and he saw it and it it was good. We read this in in Genesis chapter one and verse four, and it's again, God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. And then we get to verse 10, God called the dry land earth and gathering together the waters and the seas. And God saw that it was good. And we get to verse 12 and so on and so forth. Like he divides the earth in all these different ways. And after these division, after these organization, this, this organization that he's done, he ultimately concludes by saying, it was good. He had done a good thing. The reason he's saying this is because God is good. Like, this is the point that I'm trying to make from Revelation 4.11. The fact that we live in a world created by a perfect God for no other reason than he wanted to means that everything that he does, all this organization that takes place is purposeful. It's meticulous. It's fantastic. It's everything that we could ever want because it ultimately serves a career, an, an amazing purpose. That would be a blessing to the the creation that is made that God calls very good, and that is humanity. It continues on here into Tuesday's lesson, and now it talks about the Sabbath. And I feel like this is where the idea of God creating because he wanted to, creating because he's loving and he's perfect, and all of these things being very good and, and very good, this is where it really comes from. We know it doesn't really come from this, but I feel like it's really revealed. We know as the commandments given in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 8 to 11, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and it you shall do no work, your son, your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your stranger, who is within your gates um, for the Lord. Cre- and then it gives a reason as to why. For the Lord created heaven and earth in, uh, in the six days and he rested the seventh day and hallowed it and therefore we are to rest as he did. Powerful stuff, amazing stuff. Ultimately reflecting like the purpose of Sabbath, it comes from creation. It has its roots in creation. And if we go to Genesis chapter two and verse two, we see very clearly here as God's through Moses is writing this book, And reflecting on it, it says, And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day and from all his, from all the work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created. God rests from work. Now, the question is, the question that I had, that I have when I observe this, does God need to rest? Does God need to rest? Does does God get tired. I've already made the point. God doesn't need to do anything. God is 
is God. Like he does things because he wants to. He doesn't do things out of necessity. And so, it's, man, the, the biggest question is like, oh, does God have a necessity for rest? And obviously the answer is no. But then the question is like, why would he do it? Why would God take a rest? What is the purpose of him having a Sabbath here? And I think the important the important key to understanding this is seeing what directly um, precedes the creation of the Sabbath. What comes before it? And that's where we come to verse 26 in chapter one. And it says, and then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the things on the earth and not every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then he goes on to give them some instruction we're going to cover in a little bit. But essentially, he sees, he, he does all this dividing, he does all this organizing, and then he's okay, there needs to be someone to rule over this, to have dominion. This is ultimately for someone. He's doing this for someone, and he creates man. Man, humanity... They're waking up on the setting sun of Friday. They're like, or just before the sun sets, like they, they, Adam is formed out of the dust of the ground and the, the spirit of God is breathed into him and he wakes up and he sees this beautiful creation and he sees literally God standing in front of him, the perfect, holy, incredible God right there before him. And it is very clear to Adam, it would be very clear that, wow, like all of this, has been done for me. God has created all of these things for me. And I'm sure that would have been communicated to him. And, and we see that uh, in verse 28 and 29, that it's ultimately communicated, oh, this is yours. Like I have done this for you. And he follows this by taking rest. Now we already know that God doesn't need to take rest. What God is doing by taking rest immediately after he creates men and and in the context that man had just been created and it had no part in the rest of creation god is communicating to humanity that he is deeply invested in their well-being he loves them he wants to have an, an amazing experience with them he wants to be with them he wants to spend time with them he's created all these things for them but it's a real win-win situation here for humanity because not only are they blessed with being created into this world where everything's already been done for them but god by giving them rest immediately is communicating to adam hey like i'm doing everything for you and i'm also blessing you and giving you time to to take time away from your works from your labor to to be with me we know that adam's job would be to go through to name the animals to tend to the garden whatever it may be even in the context without sin here they weren't just mooching off god and doing nothing in the garden no they were they had responsibilities and work but by creating the sabbath and putting them in the sabbath like immediately after they're created he's ultimately communicating to them like hey I love you guys. Like I'm showing you straight away. I am the one who creates. I am the one who contributes. And anything that you do, any work that you do, it is accounted for. And my response to that work is by rewarding you with rest and spending time with me, which is amazing. Like what a God of love from our inception. He is communicating. I love you guys. I care about you guys. I care about your well-being. And I want you to be Okay, this is awesome. This is 
Amazing. But also, I wanted to quickly cover, I have a few more minutes to to discuss our Sabbath school lesson for today. The last day here, Thursday, it covers the duty of humanity. And it covers the different verses that talk about humanity's role. It gets into Genesis chapter 2. But I, I want to read Genesis chapter 1 as well. In verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and He said to, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you, and it shall be food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to every thing that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. God here gives them some instruction and some duty. He's, hey, I've given you all this earth. In response to that, here is your responsibilities. Firstly, be fruitful and multiply. Have children. What a blessing. And secondly here, he also says, subdue and uh, have dominion over the earth. Tend to the garden. This is your responsibility. We see this even further if we skip over to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend to it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day um, you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we're just covering and, and seeing here that men in their creation, they were supposed to be people of purpose, people of intentionality, people of uh, great works and, and things to be able to do. He, he gave them responsibility, which is awesome. We love doing things. We love working. But in the midst of that too, he gives them rest. But specifically this idea of, of being fruitful and multiply, subduing the earth. This is something in theological circles that is called the cultural mandate of humanity. This specific perfect prescription that God gives them of what they are supposed to do. Now we know uh, because of the existence of sin, it's it, that, that cultural mandate is a little bit muddied. And another kind of part of that cultural mandate is also to repent of sin and, and be saved. And we see that take different turns, um, especially as we reach heaven and we see a reality that potentially we won't be having kids in heaven and whatnot. But yes, this they are given basically everything. And I think this is the incredible thing to absorb from these first two ch- uh, chapters of the book of Genesis. And I believe what the lesson is really pulling out of is that they were provided everything that they possibly needed to follow God. They were given, they were created by God who loves them. They were then dropped into a world that is perfect. They were given responsibility, which made, which made them feel like they had purpose. And they were given rest as well, that they could spend time with God and be close to him. And I guess the question that we finish on as we you know, go into next week's Sabbath school, is why would they reject it? Oof, heavy stuff. And uh, we'll leave it to next week's Sabbath school coordinator, next week's Sabbath school commentary leader uh, to be able to explain that. But guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are blessed as you share in your Sabbath schools this week.